Volume Four, Chapter Five of the Old Manor House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julia Lenarden. The Old Manor House by Charlotte Turner Smith. Volume Four, Chapter Five. When you left us, my brother," said Selina. We hardly thought it possible that any sorrow could exceed what your departure and the apparent estrangement of Philip inflicted on us all. Yet in a very few days we learned that, heavy as these evils were, they were only the beginning of that long train of calamity which was about to overtake us. Isabella disappeared within two days, and left a letter to say that she was gone with Captain Warwick to America. "'And pray tell me,' said Orlando, interrupting her, "'was my poor father extremely hurt at her elopement?' "'Not so much at her elopement as at her having deceived him, "'for I do not believe, Orlando, "'that my father even thought of Isabella's marrying General Tracy "'without pain and doubts for her future happiness. "'But it grieved him severely to reflect "'that Isabella was capable of deception, "'which, notwithstanding the rashness of her going away "'with a man she hardly knew, "'must have been meditated for some days.' "'Did my father believe me to have been party in this deception?' "'Of that he sometimes doubted. "'Yet after dwelling on those doubts a moment he would say, "'No, Orlando could never be acquainted with the plan of these two young people. "'Orlando would not have concealed their intentions from me. "'Orlando never in his life deceived me. "'He is all integrity and candor.' "'And in this persuasion my father died?' "'Yes,' and never spoke of you, Orlando, but as the hope and reliance of us all. Orlando sighed deeply, reflecting that he had not deserved in this single instance the confidence of his father. Yet he rejoiced that, believing him ignorant of his sister's flight, this opinion of his integrity had not been impaired, where it could have done no good to have known the truth, and would only have inflicted another wound on his father's heart. Selina proceeded. We received your letter from Portsmouth, and some days afterwards another from Isabella. I believe it was near a fortnight afterwards. She was about to embark for America with her husband, who had hired a small vessel for that purpose, having missed his passage. This, in some degree, quieted the apprehensions of my father about my sister, though, as General Tracy almost immediately disinherited his nephew, we had the mortification of knowing that Isabella had married in what is called a very indiscreet way. However, as nothing could be objected to Captain Warwick but his conduct towards his uncle, and his consequent want of fortune, and as the young people seemed to be passionately attached to each other, my father seemed gradually to lose his anger, and to recover his spirits. When a new instance of Philip's cruel disregard for us all, threw him into an illness of so dangerous a nature, or rather so hastened the progress of that which uneasiness about him had first brought on, that he was soon given up by the physicians. It was then that, believing himself dying, and feeling more concern for the state in which he was about to leave us than his own dissolution, he sent to Mrs. Rayland to come to him, a step which, he said, was very hazardous, but which he could not satisfy himself without taking she came. We were none of us present at the conversation, 
but my father told us, as soon as she was gone, that his mind was now quite easy, and that he should die content, at least, as far as related to pecuniary affairs. For Mrs. Rayland had assured him that in her last will she had given you the Rayland estate, and entailed it all upon your posterity, on condition of your taking the name and bearing the arms of Rayland only. And that was the only money, except legacies to her servants to the amount of eight thousand pounds in the whole, which he had appropriated, having given you all the rest of her real and personal estate. And my father said that the latter had accumulated much more than he was aware of. I am sure, said he, when he had told us this, I am sure that Orlando will use as he ought to the power that is thus put into his hands to secure the provision for you, my love, speaking to my mother, and for our dear girls. Nay, that if our poor unhappy Philip should, as my fears prognosticate, utterly dissipate his paternal fortune, that he too will find a resource in the fraternal affection of his younger brother. In this persuasion my father became much easier, and, we hoped, grew much better. But a discovery that he very unluckily made by opening a letter intended for my brother, which from the names being alike he thought was his own, a discovery that Philip was actually in treaty with Stockton for the sale of his future interest in the estate at West Wilverton, quite undid all the good effects of Mrs. Rayland's generosity, and in less than a fortnight we lost our dear father, who, alas, Orlando, died of a broken heart. I will not distress you with a description of the terrible scene, I mean that of his last hours, for though he died calmly, recommending us to your protection and to that of heaven, the distraction of my mother is not to be described, and I never think of it but my heart sinks within me. When the first shock was a little over, my mother reflected on the necessity of her living for us, unprotected and helpless as we were, and she became more tranquil. Though I am sorry to say that the presence of my brother Philip, who came down as soon as he heard of my father's death, did not serve to assist her in the recovery of her spirits. On the contrary, his evident wish that we might soon remove the house, and his bringing down a mistress, who he seemed impatient to put into it, were far from being cordials to a mind so oppressed with her recent loss. The only hope that sustained her was your return, and succeeding to the Rayland estate. But even this comfortable hope was diminished and embittered by a thousand fears. Days and weeks and months were passed, and we had not heard of your arrival at New York, but learned that the fleet of transports, with which you sailed, was dispersed by a storm and some of the vessels lost. This I heard, for ill news is always communicated early. I kept it from my mother till Mrs. Rayland's impatience, who sent continually for news for you, and at length expressed her fears for you in consequence of the accounts she saw in the newspapers, discovered it. And added to all the sufferings of my poor mother, doubts for your safety, which were more dreadful than any. Mrs. Rayland, who had always disliked my mother, and as I thought us till now, seemed much more disposed than she used to be to show us all kindness, and really seemed concerned for my father's death. She made us all a present for mourning, and used to invite us often to the hall, and I believe would have taken us to live there, if Mrs. Leonard would have let her. But that good-for-nothing old woman, who had her own purposes to answer by it, 
would never leave any of us a moment alone with Mrs. Rayland, who often seemed to have an inclination to speak to my mother, and to be checked in what she intended to say by the presence of Leonard, who, in proportion as the old lady became more feeble through age, and as her mind became weaker, seemed to acquire over her more power, though it often appeared to me that Mrs. Rayland submitted to it, rather from habit than from choice, and had not resolution to throw off a yoke she had been accustomed to so many years. "'But my Selina,' cried Orlando, "'you have not all this while said a word of Monimia.' "'We contrive to meet,' replied Selina, "'every Monday, according to your injunction, "'except when my poor father lay so dangerously ill and after his death. "'And though these short interviews were passed almost always in tears on both sides,' They were the only pleasure we either of us tasted, and we have often said that the consolation of the rest of the week was that Monday would return at the beginning of the next. I missed meeting Monimia for three weeks, for the melancholy reason I have assigned, and on the fourth I hastened at the usual hour to the place of our appointment, the bench near the boathouse, where I saw Monimia waiting for me. If my mourning and dejected looks struck her with concern, I was not less shocked to see her look so very pale, thin, and dejected. We could neither of us speak for some time, for our tears choked us, till at length she recovered voice enough to say, with deep sobs that seemed almost to burst her heart, that she should never see me more, that even this little comfort of meeting by stealth was denied her, for that her aunt had determined to send her away, and to put her apprentice to a person who kept a haberdasher's and milliner's shop at Winchester, who had agreed to take her for a small premium, and that she was to go in two days. Amazed and distressed by this intelligence, I inquired why her aunt would do this, and she told me that the importunity of Sir John Belgrave, and his perpetual attempts to see her by the same means by which you had formerly found access to her room, compelled her in order to avoid him, to tell her aunt of the door in the turret. And after enduring a great deal of very cruel usage, and having been repeatedly threatened with Mrs. Rayland's displeasure, and with being turned out of the house, her aunt first moved her into her room, and then, finding that inconvenient, had the door in the lower room at the bottom of the stairs bricked up, and Benimia returned to her former apartment, from whence she was hardly ever suffered to stir out but for a walk in the park, and even then was ordered not to go out of sight of the house, so that it had always been a great risk that, while we did meet, she used to run as far as the fir wood on those mornings. "'My aunt,' said poor Monimia, as she told me all this, "'my aunt was always very cruel to me, but now she was much more so than ever, for the strange and ridiculous fancy she had taken to Roker.' who now lived almost always in the house, though Mrs. Rayland did not know it, made her jealous of everybody, but particularly of me, who detested the man so much that I was quite as desirous to avoid him as she was that I should not meet him, while the odious fellow affected to be jealous of her attachment to me, though all the time he took every opportunity of speaking to me very impertinently. But, between my aunt's watchfulness that I should never be in the room with him, and my own to shun him, I escaped tolerably well from his insolent speeches, and never regretted my confinement, unless when I feared, my dear Selina, it would prevent my seeing you. 
Now, however, for some reason or other, my aunt has taken it into her head that I shall not stay at the hall any longer. I cannot guess why I am more obnoxious to her than formerly, as she seems to have settled to marry and secure her dear Mr. Roker to herself, unless it is because Mrs. Rayland seems lately to grow more fond of me, and as my aunt is engaged with her lover more than with her mistress, I have been more about her and she seems always satisfied with my services, which makes Mrs. Leonard quite in a rage with me sometimes, and often of late she tells me I am a sly, deceitful girl, and shall blow me up with her lady, such is her expression, if I dare to fancy that I have any interest with her. This she has repeated so often lately, that knowing as I do that the discovery she has made of my meeting Orlando would entirely ruin him with Mrs. Rayland, I think that, how dreadful it is, Selina, for me to leave this place, where only I can have an opportunity of weeping with you and talking of him, I had much better do so than hazard by my stay, incurring my aunt's unreasonable displeasure, since it may so much hurt Orlando. And, as she told me again, about ten days since, that she was determined to set me off to Winchester, and had given her ladies such good reasons for it that she advised it, and had promised to give me the apprentice fee, I answered that I had rather go than be burdensome to her. So she wrote immediately, and the answer came yesterday, which fixes my departure for next Thursday. Thus, my dear brother, our dear injured Monimia related to me the circumstances which had produced this resolution so distressing to me. Some of them, indeed, particularly what related to that hateful Sir John Belgrave, I had heard before, for he used not only to persecute poor Monimia with attempts to speak to her by means of a servant, Jacob, I think she called him, who was unluckily let into the secret, but wrote to her continually letters which, from the high promises they contained, might have tempted many young women so uncomfortably situated as she was. "'Eternal curses light on him!' exclaimed Orlando. "'He shall feel, the scoundrel shall feel, "'that she is not now so unprotected "'as to suffer him to make his insulting proposals with impunity.' "'Alarmed by his vehemence, "'Selina repented that she had said so much, "'yet, by way of palliation, added, "'The last letter Minimia showed me. "'Why did she open, why received his damned letters?' cried Orlando. "'They were forced upon her,' answered his sister, "'in a thousand ways, which I hope she will one day have an opportunity of telling you herself, though it would take up too much time were I to do it now. However, I am sure that when she related to me how she was beset by them, I saw no cause at all to blame her, and as for the last letter of which I was going to speak, it was sent in form under cover of one to her aunt, and contained a proposal of marriage. A marriage? Yes, indeed, and even offered settlements, and begged pardon for his former ill behaviour. It was after Monimia was obliged to complain to Mrs. Leonard of his behaviour, and was removed to her room. And one great cause of her aunt's displeasure afterwards was that Monimia positively refused to marry Sir John, which her aunt insisted that, if he was in earnest, she should do. Monimia, however, wrote to him a refusal in the most positive terms we could invent together, and after that 
she heard no more of him till she left the hall. Well, said Orlando, but for heaven's sake tell me, has she heard of him since she left the hall, and where is she now? Would to God, my dearest brother, replied Selina, that I could tell you. We settled to correspond, not without some difficulty, because, though my mother herself, if I had dared to tell her the truth, would not, I am sure, have refused to let me write to and hear from her, yet as I did not dare, and she knows I have no correspondence but my sister Philippa, who now and then writes to me from Ireland, it is very natural for her to ask what letter I receive. However, I contrived it, and did for you, Orlando, what worlds should not bribe me to do for myself. I mean, deceive my mother, or rather act without her knowledge, yet I hope it was innocent. Not only innocent, but meritorious, said Orlando warmly. But you still do not answer me, Selina. Where is Monimia now? Alas, Orlando, have I not already undergone the pain of telling you that I do not know? Not know? Indeed, I do not. Amidst all the wretched scenes I passed through upon Mrs. Rayland's death, or our very cruel disappointment in reading a will so unlike what we were taught to expect, and Philip's horrible conduct, which drove us from the country and from our father's house, now sold with everything almost in it to Mr. Stockton, amidst all the exertions I was compelled to make to support my poor mother, who seemed to be sinking under our complicated misfortunes, misfortunes rendered almost insupportable by the dreadful increase of our fears for your life. Believe me, Orlando, amidst all this I never forgot to write punctually, according to our agreement, to our beloved Monimia. And for some time she punctually answered my letters. But for these last five weeks, never having any letter from her, I grew very uneasy, and last week wrote to the person with whom her aunt had placed her, and a few days since I had an answer. "'What answer?' inquired Orlando, with breathless eagerness. "'None from the person herself to whom my sweet friend was bound, "'but from a relation of hers, "'who informed me that Mrs. Newill had, "'in consequence of some embarrassment in her affairs, "'left Winchester, and was gone to London with her apprentice, "'where she was under the necessity of remaining concealed "'till her affairs were settled, "'and then proposed going into business in London "'if she could find friends to set her up. "'Distraction and death!' cried Orlando, striking his hands together, and starting from his chair, I shall be driven to frenzy. And is it to a person thus situated that my poor Monimia is entrusted? And under the pretense of becoming an apprentice is she given up to a mean servitude, or perhaps sold to that detestable Belgrave by her necessitous mistress? But I will pursue him to the end of the world. Good God! added he, walking quickly about the room, if something very dreadful had not happened to her, she would have written to you, surely, Selina, she would have written, wherever situated. Perhaps, replied Selina, still more apprehensive of the effects of that despair he seemed to feel at this account, perhaps her not having written may have been owing to her having never received that letter of mine, which contained a direction whither to write me. What direction? inquired Orlando. To this house replied his sister, where we have only been about a month, having got it cheap of a gentleman who was obliged to go abroad, and was glad to let it on reasonable terms for the few remaining months of his lease. 
we were before in lodgings in Hole Street, and I knew nothing of our removal hither till a few days before it happened. The moment I did, I wrote to Monimia, but that letter was among those things she never received. This conversation, in which the impatient anguish of Orlando only found increase, was now interrupted by the entrance of his youngest sister, who came down to tell him and Selina that Mrs. Somerive, hearing them talk below, and supposing the melancholy account Selina had to give Orlando might affect him too much, entreated him to put off any further conversation till the next day, but, for the present, to take some refreshment and go to bed. Orlando, vexed that the agitation of his mind had betrayed him into vehemence which had alarmed and distressed his mother, promised to obey, and endeavouring to stifle his torments, he consented to sit down to supper, and requested that he might see his mother and endeavour to calm the inquietude she expressed for his health. She desired he would come up to her, but when he approached the bed he could not speak to her. He could only take the hand she gave him and bathe it with tears, in spite of his endeavours to check them as he pressed it to his lips. In a broken voice, however, he at length collected resolution enough to assure her, in answer to her tender inquiries, that it was true he had been much affected by the detail his sister had at his own request given him, yet that he was now recovered, and after a night's rest should regain fortitude enough to consider his own situation, and what it was best to do without shrinking from any task, by executing which he would contribute to her comfort. His mother blessed him, and expressing the utmost solicitude about his health, said, "'Make yourself, dear Orlando, easy about me, for, after so great, so unexpected, and I fear so undeserved a blessing as having you restored to me, and to your dear sisters, I should be thankful and unworthy of such happiness if I dared to murmur. As the repose of Mrs. Somerive would not, Orlando thought, be much promoted by the continuance of this affecting conversation, he shortened it as much as he could, and in pursuance of his promise went, in hopes of transient forgetfulness, to his bed. End of Volume 4, Chapter 5 Recording by Julia Lenarden.